Hey, this is Jake here, this time with Brandon instead of Travis, for another short episode of uh, Lake of Rage Radio. Uh, warning again ahead of time, uh, we'll be talking about the game up through your first visit to the Aether Foundation, including everything you do there. So if you haven't gotten that far, you might want to wait on listening to this episode until you are. Cool. Um, we recently got onto iTunes podcasts, as well as Stitcher, so you can find us on any of your favorite podcast apps. You can also find us on YouTube at Lake of Rage Radio or Twitter at Lake of Rage Radio. Yeah. Um, so I think we're just going to go ahead and launch into it. This is going to be another, um, like the previous episode where it was just me and Travis, um, be us discussing pretty free form just how we feel about the game. It's going to probably be a little bit shorter than like the fuller podcast we'll be doing and kind of did for episode one. Um, so let's start off with the one thing that you couldn't talk about last time, which is still kind of relevant here, is you get to Island 2, the Akala Island, um, in Heahea City um, via Mantine Surf. And so I don't very much like it. Travis is like, eh, it's okay, and your feeling on it is? Uh, generally positive. The only problems I really have with it is that you can't do any sort of like soft reset to the particular surf session. So if you start off and you like you bump into a tentacle or hit a sharpedo or whatever, it kind of throws the whole thing off and feels like you're wasting your time. And it's kind of a general like game design concept that you should never make someone play something they don't want to, which puts it in this awkward position. But overall, like I appreciate that you don't have to use it all the time. But I personally enjoyed going back and trying to get the high scores. Like I'm not very good at it, but I still. At about like thirty thousand at this point, where I can get, um, and it's always fun just to quick earn a couple BP instead of having to go through the battle call seam or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. The battle royale. Yeah, battle royale. Um, I will actually say like even if you completely like flub your entire run or whatever, like you're still gonna get some like BP. Yeah, for as long it. as you know what you're doing, you're probably so... gonna at least get four BP even if you keep biffing it every time you get a chance if, to. Like, I, don't, I mean, I would actually be interested to see, I haven't tried it yet, just to like completely surf there, just not doing any tricks and see if you get BP just for doing that. Maybe they give you like a pity BP. Yeah. Like, like even made that. It to the beach. Honestly, that could be like a really decent way to be able to grind it. It's just to press the button to talk to them, to jump on the manti and let it go. Just keep pressing the button every once in a while and not actually have to do anything really for it. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. Yeah. Okay. Like, congratulations, here's a point, you didn't dance on the manti. Wow, we're really gonna go. We're really gonna hurt the Beach Boys about this. Hey, they know the rules. I can't believe you're one of them. So, anyways, the clothing shop in town is the next, like, the next thing you really stop at. I mean, yeah, you stop and you talk to Coogly or whatever, um, and like Olivia, and there, it's that whole thing is all the same as it was in original Sun and Moon. But uh, the clothing shop in this town is notable because it's the shop where you can buy glasses, which. I mean, I wear glasses, so I wanted glasses for my character. Yeah, I had a problem playing this game right away where I actually just kept running out of money because right out of, like, Holy City, I spent all my money on, like, a fancy shirt, which are very expensive for that point in the game. And then I got here and spent the rest of my money on three pairs of glasses. But now I can wear every outfit combination of blue, black, or white, so I'm good. Yeah, uh, Rotom keeps asking me, like, hey, what do you like to spend your extra money on? And it's, like, battle items or uh, clothing. And I'm like, Rotom, you're there with me. You see me spending all this money on clothing. You know that I don't actually take care of my Pokemon. I just care about looking swole, as the kids kids say. I gotta be spiffy. (laughs) Um, I guess from there, when you go to the Tide Hollow Hotel... 
like that thing. Um, in, and Sun and Moon, Dexu and Cena stop you, and they're like, yo, Zygarde stuff. And uh, in this one, they just go full Ginyu Force on you and just do Super Sentai-like poses. Uh, and then give you, like, I think it was, like, a full restore or, like, a max revive or something like that. Like, they give you some, like, really inconsequential item. I honestly don't remember it. Probably because it didn't matter. Yeah, and it was really weird. Like, they're just like, yeah, we're just we're just here. And it's like, okay. Just did a little bit of a battle and then carried on. Yeah. I mean, I still liked seeing them because I like their character designs and I like them as, like, a, a group of two characters or whatever. But, like, they actually have far less, like, they matter far less so far, at least, in the game than they did in Sun and Moon. And I don't know. It felt weird. It felt like they just kind of reused the same, like, events but just tweaked the ending. Which it did feel really out of place. Yeah, after the battle, basically you just have the option to explore around the general area. The hotel was pretty cool. There was another like bottle in the ocean that could be delivered to one of the lounge people. I don't know if she was supposed to be a singer or a dancer. Oh, really? Yeah. You didn't oh. catch that one? No, I'll look at that later. Yeah, right on the ocean side. Uh, when you get off the mantine, if you explore that area, you can find a glistening spot in the sand. Huh. I feel like it was really late at night when I was playing there, so maybe that's why I missed it. Yeah, so you can do that. There's a couple of the uh, stickers around. And then you also have the option to go up the elevator, which is something I missed initially, where you can talk to some of the guests on the second floor, um, including an individual who wants you to go and find some of their friends. Yeah, I haven't finished that one yet. I found one of their friends on the dock who's like, a beauty trainer class character which is weird to me because they're talking about something that occurred 30 years ago and i'm like were you like a baby at the time other things that were up there besides that person who wanted you to find their old friends was just a couple trainers an item or two and then you can walk in on like people practicing dancing which is interesting but then like a little bell awesome pushes you out the door and hands you an orenberry which still makes very little sense to me don't look at me dancing push uh here's a blueberry have a great day you go back inside there's some I, there's some small item that doesn't really matter that much if i remember correctly too like it's oh i didn't even try going back inside i respected the privacy what's wrong with you i don't know it's a pokemon game <laughs> i mean people's literally privacy. we have the option to just invade people's rooms already which it's an rpg that's just the way it is that's what, like everybody tries to real life pokemon games a lot of times like come on come on it's an rpg like, i just think just that i just think that be weird all i'm saying is that our character should uh, maybe show a little bit more decorum and uh consideration for people's private lives yeah like kukui does oh yeah he, he's he's really professional <laughs> he's just that's not proper lab attire Oh, man, he if he's playing with like any amount of acids or solvents, like bases, he's pretty basic. <laughs> You're cutting that because that was the stupidest thing I think you've ever said. No, nah, man, this is all staying. This is gold, pure gold. Oh man, uh, yeah, no. And then there's also up there's Colrus. Um, if you talk to him, he's like, the Ultra Recon Squad is having me do stuff. Well, I went and talked to Colrus. After I met the Ultra Recon so did squad. I. So Travis I'm, found him beforehand. Does he say the same stuff? He says the exact same thing. Okay. So no matter what, he's like, mmm, Z moves. He's like like musing to himself aloud, and then you're just like standing behind them, and he turns around, he's like, I wasn't talking to myself while playing with my Nintendo Power Gloves. By the way, he's playing with Nintendo Power. Like, he's wearing Nintendo Power Gloves. That's what he's wearing. I don't care what anybody says. 
he's wearing like oven mitt Nintendo Power Gloves over his weird like super suit. I don't really know what else you want to call it. I would argue that it's not amusing when your speech bubble is jagged and spiky because you're yelling. I have never heard of anyone musing via yelling. Um, he seemed very excited. Brandon, we've been friends for a lot of years. You've heard me muse by yelling. I think that's just probably um, a science thing. I don't know. I, this that It's quite possible that all scientists are just very loud people. I feel like there's a lot of correlation, not a whole lot of causation to any of what we're saying here. Okay, now you're being a scientist. So anyways, Pikachu Valley, right, kids? Pikachu Valley's great. Um, when you head north on the route, I want to say four. Um, it's right before Brooklyn Hill. About four or five, yeah, right before Brooklyn Hill. Um, there's the Pikachu Valley. It's right before the, the ranch, actually. Paniola City. Is it? Paniola, Paniolia. I ne- can never pronounce it correctly. Paniola. We're going to stick with Paniola. Paniola sounds like an actual thing. It sounds like it makes verbiage sense. Yeah, so it's right off of Route 4, right before Route 5. Yeah. Um, and from my... Uh, we, me and Brandon have both heard rumors that like if you bring the Ash Hat Pikachu from the Pokemon I Choose You movie... Uh, QR code there that you there's like an event that happens there but as far as like I'm aware right now it's just adorable like just a valley full of Pikachu and by the way I'm allowed to say this because Travis isn't here because he would probably go on and on about how much he hates Pikachu if he was here um, which I feel like comes from a, a place of feeling like Pikachu's overrated by him but come on Pikachu's, Pikachu's cute come on Pikachu's pretty cute sometimes yeah, um, you go to the Pikachu Valley, you get to explore around, you can constantly try and enter that, like, star wagon. I don't know what you'd call it. A trailer? Yeah. <laughs> the star wagon? Yeah, because the stars say, I'll be in my trailer. Yes. I couldn't remember what that was called, so I called it the star wagon. Anyway, you can constantly try and get in, you can never, it's impossible. I'm pretty sure there's more Pikachus than fit physically in there, like a TARDIS or something. And there's one person out there who just quizzes you on Pichu and Pikachu-related facts. And if you get it right, you get a Thunderstone? Yeah, you get a Thunderstone. I don't remember what I got. No, I don't think I'm right either. I actually think I might be 100% wrong there in saying that even. I was um, hoping to get a light ball, but I know that I didn't get that. Heading north to Paniolis, Paniola City. Jeez, I'm never going to be able to pronounce that right. Uh, you battle Hal, um, and he's got um, his starter, an Eevee. Pikachu and a Noibat, um, which are, I mean, that's an extra Pokemon, I think. The Noibat is the extra Pokemon since the last game. Um, and even later on the same island, when you battle Hal again, I want to say it's this island. No, it's a different island. I don't want to make that mistake and accidentally spoil Island 3 for you guys. Um, it is weird, though, that they chose to give him a Noibat, considering it evolves at, like, level 50-something, Right? Or is it like 48? It's ridiculously high. Yeah. The power spike isn't that great, so it feels like it's just they're playing around with how difficult the battle curve should be, but it Mm -hmm. it almost does nothing. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, But then when you're in Panyola City in the corner, you see um, Team Skull members aggressively dancing at a uh, Vulpix. Um, And like... They say, and I do quote, because I wrote this down so I can make sure to not misquote Team Skulls. We are very professional at Lake of Rage Radio. We are not professional at all at Lake of Rage Radio. We'll meet halfway. We're semi-professional. 
We are at least business casual at Lake of Rage Radio. Yeah, I like that. Business casual. We're bus- oh, God, can that be our new tagline? Lake of, Rage Ra- <laughs> Lake of Rage Radio. We're the business casual Pokemon podcast. My phone should be on silent right now, and it's not, and I have no idea where it is. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Business casual. Business casual. Yeah, God. See, we can have our phones. They say. And we quote. Team Skull. Yeah, and we quote, yo, 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 Vulpix. <clears throat> Gimme the bottle cap. Truly modern poets. They are. But here's the thing, right? Um, like, afterwards, people, like, are making this, like, the Team Aether and people around it are acting like it's, like, some crazy, like, oh, they're so mean. and they're... It's like, they really didn't do anything. They, like, literally just were like, like would, you, would you yell at your at somebody who told their dog to spit out a bottle cap? I mean, that's basically what's going on here. Maybe they were just concerned about the Vulpix's health. That's how it's not I like they have this. thumbs. They'd have to be holding out of the bottle, the bottle cap in their mouth. Yeah, no, and just in general, though, or their fairy floofy tails. Honestly, like still, like Team Skull is still just not really scary. They're not really doing anything like explicitly violent. Like they are aggressively dancing. I will give them that. They are aggressively dancing. And this old woman is like, for if you've. If anybody who is listening to this has ever seen the TV show Gravity Falls, um, there's an old like an episode from the first season of it where there's two old people who have like a convenience store, and outside there's a bunch of '90s kids with beatbox, like with dressed similarly to Team Skull but with more color, like with a boombox and just like dancing and saying how they don't like school and they think chores are whack, and then like the two people in the convenience store have a heart attack and die. That's, like, pretty much what's going on here with the old lady telling you, like, please stop them. They're dancing at the Vulpix. They don't respect authority. They don't respect authority. And they wear so much black. It's like, I I don't know. They're still not scary. Like, considering, just considering all the other villainous teams we've had in the past with Team Rocket, like, legitimately killing Pokemon and Team Galactic blowing up lakes, leaving... Magikarp to die, like they're very sturdy fish. They are sturdy. I don't fish. think they make it out well. I don't think they do. Yeah, um, like it's like that level of where it's like, holy jeez. Uh, Interesting okay. to note, the Vulpix, in fact, did not have the bottle cap at that moment. So I don't know what how Team Skull came about their plan, but the Vulpix. If you come back the next day, the old lady will say that uh, the bottle cap was left on her doorstep. And presumes it was from the Vulpix to give to you. So I feel like maybe Team Skull could have... Looks like, like I have to go back to talk to that um, oh, weak-hearted old woman and oh, get yeah. myself a free bottle cap. Oh, she says, like, come back tomorrow or whatever. Did she? Yeah. I mean, I'm saying that Team Skull probably could have, like, implemented just a little bit of investigative work and figure out where the... Because the Vulpix probably hid the bottle cap somewhere. Like, they could have just, like... What know. they needed to do is they needed to get their Z Stoutland or their um their ride Pokemon Stoutland and just kind of sniff around. They needed to sniff for clues. They needed to get that Snoutland. Fantastic. Good. No, I no, it's yeah. it's that's good. That's good. That's I mean it's a little on the nose, but <laughs> oh. oh boy. Uh speaking of Stoutland, like right after that you go up to the ranch and you meet Mallow and she gives you uh the ride Pokemon Stoutland. And then there's um, the little bit where you can do the the sort of side mission with the Tauros that's, like, super aggressive. Oh, do you remember back 
I mean, maybe this is still a thing because I just don't really spend a whole lot of time like on like any internet forms or anything like that. But back when I remember it was like a thing that people talked about a lot when we were like in high school, like Gen 4 era. That's how you know we're old. Um, when like people were like, we want a Pokemon, a T-rated Pokemon game and stuff like that. And it's like Pokemon's not every, I, I don't think Pokemon in the main series game ever even got rated to E10. There's a game where you literally almost die in it, like Black and White 2, uh, Getsis literally tries to kill your character, and even that didn't get rated teen. To be fair, it's plenty dark already. Yeah, Pokemon's dark a lot. Especially, like, these Pokédex entries. Yeah, Marini eating Corsola and leaving Corsola bits across, scattered across the sea. Like, that's pretty dark. Uh, some of the horrible, horrible things that apparently random Mimikyus have done. Yeah. Uh, not even intentional, just accidental by existing i think you're just falling into that mimic you propaganda it's adorable Brandon. It, it might be it might be <laughs> no i played I, the fifth oh you played <laughs> that <laughs> that's not what you think it means i refuse to perjure or incriminate myself in the marine not marini uh, in the marini murders <laughs> the marini murders of ought for and then that's why you need the snout wind, so you can sniff out some clues to find that there's like a Scooby-Doo Pokemon-like yeah. crossover going on here with us on accident, and I think it's genius. And we're patenting the idea, so don't try and take it. Yeah. Or if you do, just Fanfiction.net. Like, just, like, just like put credits where credits are due. We heard um, these two nerds talking on a podcast once about this, and so we thought it'd be a good idea, and we stole it, and we made millions um oh wait crap detective pikachu is already a thing i don't think that's scooby-doo-esque though i feel like we're playing in some gangly territory. teenagers and a stoutland like doom 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 you're like you gotta oh, cut man. that before we have to pay royalties <laughs> no, I'm just like imagining like how just like zoinks, man, and then Gladion is like we gotta split up and look for clues, and Lily's like jinkies, and then Lily's a Velma, yeah. Lily's prep, she's she's bookish. At least in the anime, she's kind of bookish. And then uh, Kukui is uh, Daphne in this. There's a stunned look on your face like you can't imagine like where your life got to to the point where you just had to hear your dear friend say the words, Kukui really is the Daphne of Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. That's, that's unreasonably accurate. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, speaking of Gladian, um, or Gladian... I think it's Gladian. Uh, we haven't gotten an official English like uh, pronunciation of his name in the anime yet, so I would probably assume Glade. Yeah. Rather than Glad, because he's not a happy lad. No, he's not. But he does have like the whole sharp, pointy stuff. Yeah, Glade. Yeah. And he's got the cuts on his shirt and stuff like that. It sounds like Glade. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? We don't know. He's not very glad, and that's pretty much where my whole thesis hinges on. And like that, you just got your doctorate. Um, so Gladian dunks on Hal like he does in the in the previous game. He just destroys Hal in a battle. And then Hal's all like, you know, sad. 
Not really. No, he's not. I lied. Let's... He, he pretty much plays it off. Yeah. Um, the Gladian, of course, comes in with his uh, his sweet, um, his anger after you beat him. Um, and he just, like, points at how he's like, that kid there, his Pokemon are weak. How is weak? How knows he can never beat Ahala, and that is why he doesn't even really try. And then, like, How's like, what? You think my Pokemon are strong? It's like, How you're missing the point where he's saying that you are the absolute worst. Yeah, it is really interesting. Like, that goes, that's really direct. Like, normally this kind of conversation is held a little more subversive, especially in a children's game. No, it's actually really interesting, because I will say, this kind of plays into the, um... The feeling that we all have, like all three of us have, about how, where like how is a good character, but like I still don't like how kind of thing. Like be like living in the shadow of Hala, sort of a thing, and like I don't know. That's really interesting to me. They have seemed to be giving him like a little bit more personality, giving me a little bit more sass here and there. Yeah, I was gonna say he sasses back at Kukui on the first island. I talked about that in the first podcast, and he kind of he kind of sasses back at. Uh, Gladian a little bit here, not too much more than he did in the original one, though. And right when you're about to leave the island, you have the like he says he gives you like a fact and asks if you knew it, and if you tell him that you did, he kind of gives you a look. Yeah, he gives you kind of a like a uh huh, sure a little bit did. of stink eye. Yeah. So I'm kind of hoping that this they kind of crank it up over the course of the game and we really get some how development. Yeah, because he was kind of. I will say some characters are a little bit more flat. We'll talk about that a little bit more during this podcast. Some characters are a little bit more flat, but how has actually seemed to be a little bit more three-dimensional in this game, which is important because you kind of want your rivals to be a little bit more three-dimensional. So in this game, Gladian, of course, also gets um, interrupted by the Team Skull guys. Yeah, there's and, two Team Skull grunts that walk up behind him. And they're trying to front like real Gs here, right? But we all know something the, along those lines are actually said. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> and um, Gladian kind of shuts them down with like, you know I'd kick your butt in like two seconds um if that was like even remotely gonna come to like an actual fight and then they're just kind of like you know some of us don't really like you in team skull you're lucky like gluzma guzma and plumeria like you because otherwise we'd have kicked your butt out a long time ago and it's like it's interesting because there's considering the last game how we knew that like guzma was essentially like paid by lucamine to like watch over gladian I don't know um, if it was ever really expressly not stated. Not p- said paid, but, like, the reason you got into Team Skull is because, like, there was a connection between Team Skull and your mom kind of a thing. Yeah, I think it might be implied. Yeah, it was implied. However, like, there's also, like, Guzma also implies, like, some, like, being impressed by Gladian and also, like, empathizing with him to some extent, so. Yeah, it's kind of implied that Guzma at least had a rough childhood, if not, like, specifically f- always felt like an outsider especially due to the trials yeah and you can probably see that in uh, gladium i hope they develop that more in this game like they talk more about exactly what it is because during when you're in po town and og sun and moon um you meet a bunch of grunts who tell you that like guzma wasn't given a z ring to do his trial and he is like pretty much the only person who was never given a z ring during his trial and if you remember the uh, animatic of when you battle him for the first time in Mali City on the on Ulaula Island in original Sun and Moon, like when he sees you, his eyes like zoom in on your Z bracelet, and like it like focuses the camera on that, and then he starts talking to you, and so it's like it's still like a sensitive thing for him, even though he's older now than then, like that 
you know, what what's the deal? Like, why was I the only one? Why was I given the short end of the stick almost intentionally? And so that's interesting. That That's cool character development. I'd like to see that. But um, up past here, we've got Lana's trial, which changed in good and bad ways, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the original one, Lana had a bit more, like, character. I wouldn't say that I necessarily liked the way that they originally went with it, where she'd constantly like try and trick the main your main character, your player character, to go and like see if it's some hunky swimmer or something. Or a red Gyarados or a Kyogre. Yeah, she'd constantly be playing with the possibility of what's in the water. Go find out. This time she just says, Hey, go round up those wishy washy. What's in the water? Go find out. Is it Pokemon? Who knows? Let's find out. Yeah. So this time she just has you go round up the wishy-washy for an unknown reason. If you played the first game, you can assume it's because we're getting all the wishy-washy together to make the totem wishy-washy. Um, Which I do like that. I like how they play off the assumption that you played the first game so that you... Yeah, it definitely... I've noticed that a few times with some of the trials where like you're expecting something and because you're used to how it went the first game, like they're able to play with that and... Mm-hmm. Tr- kind of tricky. Yeah, this one sense. does actually a pretty decent job of like subverting your expectations here, mm-hmm. where you go and every time you round up one wishy-washy, there's two, two uh, I suppose, active tiles, special tiles in the water. One of this is a wishy-washy, one of them is a dupider. The first time you think, oh, it's just trying to figure out which one's going to be the wishy-washy. Second time it happens, you're like, that's weird. I guess it's just one and one. And when you finally get to the trial Pokemon, you have it starts the same way as the original Sun and Moon where all the wishy-washy start gathering below, and you're like, oh boy, here comes the big fish. But then, all, like, out of nowhere, really fast, a shadow swims up from beneath the waterfall. And gulps up a bunch of them? Chomps them. Chomps them right up. And you're like, whoa. I think that's the first time we've actually ever seen a Pokemon, like, just straight up get eaten in a Pokemon game. Like, we didn't actually see it, but, like, it's pretty explicitly happening there, like... Yeah, like their bait for the giant Araquanid, yeah. which just starts climbing out of the water and was really cool. Yeah. Like, I did not expect that to happen out of nowhere. Like, I just see the breaking the water. I'm like, oh, what, what's going on? And then all the dupiders make sense now because they were preying on the individual wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. And then once the big mass started collecting, we got the big Araquanid. Yeah, that's awesome to me. Uh, how did that fight go for you? Masquerade having Intimidate was not great. Yeah. Like, it called up Masquerade as its uh, its partner Pokemon, and just, boy. And, yeah, it was just difficult, because, uh, if I remember correctly, the, the Uraquanid gets a speed boost? No, it gets a defense boost, I think, for its Z Flare. Oh, the Aura? Yeah. It's, it's just, it's tanky, and it takes forever, um... As I said in the last one, the reason that I go with that Alolan Grimer is because Poison Fang getting that toxic, like getting that badly poisoned status on a Pokemon is so essential for most of these trials for me because I can't win against some of them. Like there's one on the third island that I'll talk about next time we do uh, the podcast where like when I did not have access to that toxic effect, it was, it was, it was problematic. It was rough. It was rough. But, yeah, this time, actually, I got wiped um, twice, actually. The reason being, at this point, I had a team of four water Pokemon and an Alakazam. 
who had access to charge beam because I picked it up in Brooklyn Hill. And that was pretty much my only way of dealing reliable damage. Um, problem is, it has the berry that when you target it, reduces the damage of a super effective electric move. Also, it's a bug type and one-shot Alakazam. So I was left with a lot of nothing. Yeah. I was a little bit more fortunate, but not not, not much. Uh, no, I was basically relying on like a peck off of a wingull, and it, it just was not working well. Um, I wound up being able to, on my second attempt, no, the third attempt, just sending out Alakazam, because it was faster, getting off one... Char- I spent a lot of money on revives and kind of cheesed it. That's fair. Like, I can't blame you. Some of these tri- totem... Or, uh, yeah. Some of these trials are a little bit more difficult. And just not having, like, an appropriate Pokemon. And also, you tend to monocrop types. You tend to monotype in your games. Yeah, so. I, I didn't want to this time. It just happened. Um, by the end of the island, I got that down to only t- three water Pokemon. And that's impressive for you. Yeah. Um, after you beat Lana's Trial, you meet up with Hapu on your way to Royal Avenue. And well, then... you are forgetting one part of the right after that you were really supposed to do. Oh. It's um, you run all the way back down to the Mantine. You Mantine back, or you could take the boat. If you're if you're a boat person, okay. Then you go to Ilma's pool. <laughs> Ilma's pool. You have to grab that sticker, and then you have to go and find Corsola so you can find Marini because that is how the game really works. So you need like a five percent chance to find a Corsola, and then you have to SOS battle when you don't have access to adrenaline orbs yet, and eventually you catch a Marini, and then your game can continue on like normal. Yeah, that's how everybody plays the game, Brandon, not just you. It's how everyone should. <laughs> then you meet Hapu, and that goes pretty much the same way as before. She asks you, like, yo, do you know these two Team Skull dudes? And I, of course, always answer, yeah, I remember them. They're pretty cool. They're the Beach Boys. They're the Berry Boys, depending on the game. And uh, she gets shocked, and then she has you just pound some lumps into them. You do that. You beat them numb. Skulls. You got there. I got there. It, it it took a little bit, but I got there. Um, and then you go to Royal Avenue, and there's the whole uh, four-way match, or the Battle Royale with the Mest Royale and the Royale Avenue. Yeah, I really liked how they just introduced this, like, Mast Royal character out of nowhere. Really hope that he, like, continues on. It's, like, an important character. It's totally not obvious who he is. No. No. And this joke doesn't get old. It no, never got old. It literally cannot get old. You know, even when I think it's about to start getting old, it, it still kind of is a little funny. Just a little bit. Yeah, the overall experience with the first Battle Royale was a little weird. Um, when I did it, the Mass Royal, whoever he may be, used Protect multiple times in a row and succeeded every time. And both Howe and Gladian attack me but my wishy-washy which is another thing you were supposed to do right after Lana's trial um, just one hit how's Torcat so it was kind of underwhelming from my perspective from my perspective everybody just dunked on how the way it should be 
Everybody attacked Tao. I attacked Tao, Kuhui attacked Tao. I'm sorry, the Master Royal attacked Tao. And Gladian attacked Tao. And um, then my Pokemon did not have Quick Attack and did not have Priority. How uh, Gladian's Pokemon was the fastest. And somehow How's Brion uh, did not get KO'd by that point. And um, Gladian got the, uh, got the knockout. Uh, the next round and won. See, so. my route worked a little better because I still got to beat How. You're right. Yeah, my mind failed. That's why you didn't. I I was actually tempted to soft reset so that I could be the one to beat How, but I hadn't saved a long time and I really didn't care that much. No, I lost a lot of this game to forgetting to save. Yep. If you don't notice in the first in the in the island one melee melee one, I actually comment about um, how Rotom tells you to oh, save, and then yeah. I, I yeah. Oh, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, it hurt. <laughs> Brandon lost a uh, Squirtle doing the. I lost a Squirtle in about five hours of playtime. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, I think the next trial is Kiave's trial. Yep. I don't know honestly if I'm pronouncing Kiave's name right. I saw, sounds right. I sound. I found yeah. several people saying that that's the way his name is supposed to be pronounced. I could literally just pull up a clip of the anime right now. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to pull up a clip of the anime right now, and then Brandon will cut here a little bit. According to the anime, it's Kiawe, which does sound far more Hawaiian than Kiave. Kiave. I don't even know how it's for Kiawe. His name's Kiawe now. So Kiawe's trial um, happened, and um, you get the return of the best character, uh, Hiker Dave. And um, he is he's, he's dancing. And uh, in the final dance, he's getting a little bootylicious. Uh, he's, he's sticking out his, his, his rear end, and he's 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 really giving you that that Instagram that Instagram pick style like posture there. You know, he's really going for it. And there's even that Alolan Marowak being that that true friend getting that sweet Instagram pick for him. And just in the corner, it's like click, and uh, and then there's also like a giant Marowak behind them. Just kind of that's a little weird. Yeah, that was weird. Who, who could have guessed that would happen? Yeah, no, nobody. Well, I mean, I actually didn't anticipate them changing the um, uh, the trial Pokemon again because I was like, oh, we just changed which trial Pokemon it was. They won't do that again. I was wrong. They did. It's not a Salazzle. It calls you a Salazzle that uses Torment and makes your day terrible because that Marowak has Thick Club and just... I think I actually forgot that the original one was a Salazzle. Yeah. No, I thought it was always a marijuana. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Now that I remember it, yeah. Yeah, it was a Salazzle. Oh, that, that fight was actually pretty tough, too, because... Because of Thick Club. Nah, I used Thief on that. Yeah, see, I didn't know about that. But the real problem was trying to use Thief, because I would use Thief, and it would use Detect. Then Salazzle would use Torment, and I couldn't use Thief, and then my Pokemon would die. And then it would continue to kill my Pokemon, until I could use Revive and try and use Thief again. Yep, I didn't have knockoff, did not have Thief on any of my Pokemon, and just could not. Like, I had to go against the full-powered Marowak, and boy, that was probably the roughest, like, 1v1 fight. Like, I had to use a lot of revives. Fortunately, I, after being Lana's trial, went down to the Diglett's Cave at the southern part of the city, um, walked around for two seconds, hit a Diglett, walked around for two more seconds, hit a Larvitar, and then caught the Larvitar and just kind of rock-slided away. Um, Brand, how was your experience with trying to find a Larvitar? Terrible. Yeah, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So apparently it's got a 10% chance of spawning. Yeah, that's why I found it on my second try. Yeah. 
My data does not support that. <laughs> yeah? How long did it take you to find the lava attack? Uh, a little over an hour. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty awful. Um, yeah. Going back to the totem Pokemon fight, mm-hmm. uh, I think Island 2 can best be surmised in our playthrough as the island of wasted money on revives. Yeah, I'll agree with that. There's a lot of money in revives. Um, Which, they upped the price this generation, too. This, this Not generation, this game. They were 1500 prior. Yeah. I'm not sure if this was true for Sun and Moon or not, but yeah. I noticed that this one were another 2000 Really? I didn't even notice. Yeah, uh, like escape ropes went from 550 to 1000 uh, They changed the price on super potions, I want to say. A couple of the items. They also changed the effectiveness of super potion, too. Oh, did they? I think so. No, it's still 60 but they changed the price of it. Yeah. And so it looks like they were toying around with some of the money and value. Trying to figure out a way to optimize, like, buying Play stuff. Play experience, yeah. Yeah. Um, then once you uh, beat Kiawe's Trial and you go back down... Uh, you have to go through the spooky tunnel. Um, they play this really eerie music, and at the end of it is the Ultra Recon Squad. And so Travis likes to think the Ultra Recon Squad are these great guys. Like, they're going to be the best. And I think that when you play spooky music and you sit at the end of a tunnel and then attack me with an alien made out of poison, that that's maybe not a good guy. Maybe you're not a good guy if you do that. I don't know, that's just a, that doesn't sound like a good guy thing to do, is to attack me with a poison alien in a creepy tunnel, and then to collude with Colrus, who kind of, you know, aided in terrorist acts in a different country. I would like to point out that it was the, for the, ultra, of science. the Ultra Recon Squad... I get it. ...are, <laughs> are from a different dimension and their customs regarding tunnels and poison could be different and it is not your place to judge um but i kind of side with travis i think they're just dandy like sure they probably got some pretty ominous and sinister undertones and we'll say they let me get to see those um because of them i got to see call and his sweet nintendo power gloves again so like i'll give them that yeah, and we'll, we'll get back into, like, what my overall feelings of them are when we get to the Aether Paradise discussion. Yeah. But I I think that so far I've been enjoying their time when they show up. Um, I feel like they do play heavily into the, like, overly um, enunciate high vocabulary, like, alien discussion. Like, yeah. where they'll be like, greetings, human. Um, so they're, they're using, like, this high level of verbiage verbositude yeah anyway their dialect seems very out of place and i can appreciate that it provides an easy link and kind of like helps formalize the assumption that they are from a different dimension um by being so careful in the way they speak and doing like the as travis likes the like square alola mm -hmm. like where they do it in the square instead of like the the round yeah they're definitely playing into some tropes here and i don't dislike it but I wish that they were a little more creative with it but I can always appreciate building your story on the foundation of expectation I would be interested to see how it is in Pokemon Ultra Sun which none of the three of us are playing because they are two different characters who looks like I think like a teenage male and then like a younger girl oh I wonder if they would have different discussions yeah they probably have have different different discussions yeah they probably have different discussions and probably act differently because we have like a I would assume late teenage to like anywhere between late teenage to early 30s because we really don't see what she actually looks like outside of the suit um woman with um oh boy 
Solial, Solial, something based off of the sun, S-O-L, just in general. Oh, yeah. Um, and then uh, have, British Pit he- Pith Helmet Man. We have Captain Mustache. Captain Mustache. Um, like, the two of those got these, like, they seem very formal, so I don't know. Um, how about we move on to Mal's Trial and how much I hate it? I hate Malice Trial. I hate it. Um, I hate everything about it. It is the worst trial uh, so far in this game and probably including the last game. But how do you really feel? I think it's bad. Ah. Um, I think maybe some of that um, maybe has something to do with the fact that, like, the game, like, glitched out when I played through it the first time where um, you get to the first part where you got to find the Magoberries, right? And I pick up one of the Magoberries, go back to talk to Mallow, um, and I when I talk to her... I get the, do you want to leave right now? Uh, and to be clear, you weren't option. trying to leave. You were I actually wasn't. walking up to her and pressing A. Yeah, pressing A to talk to her. And she's like, you want to leave now? And I'm like, no. And she's like, cool, go do my trial. And so I pick up a different Magoberry. Same thing happens. Go pick up a different Magoberry. Same thing happens. Then I'm like, okay, well, I've tried all three options, so I'll say yes to you. And then it just restarts the trial. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? So then I go in, pick up the first berry, go back and talk to her, completely different dialogue, everything works the normal way. And so at this point, I am already frustrated, so I just walk in, don't bother to actually play really the game as far as it goes, like, figure out the puzzle to her. I'm just like, click the first thing, click the first thing, click the first thing, immediately get attacked by all three of the helper Pokemon, and then get dunked on by the, um... Lorantis. Lorantis, which was actually the first Pokemon that wiped me. Um, the only Poke... Well, no, no, that's a lie. The Marowak wiped me once. Um also wiped me once um, because of its combination of synthesis sunny day and oh that synthesis was rough yeah it just kept healing itself and like that's the one thing that you got going for you um, and so like I just kept rebattling it with Grimer and hoping to get the toxic effect off on the the Salazzle so that it would at least slow die or not Salazzle I'm sorry on the um, Lorantis? format Lorantis yeah uh, as soon as that Comfey Spawned and use Sunny Day, like oh boy, that you're, was not accounted for. Yep, you're gonna get you get messed up a little bit here. Um, but overall, like I don't know, how did you did you like it? Uh, no, I also hit all three Pokemon. Apparently, that's not how it always happens. I assumed it was. Yeah, same. I didn't even choose the first option all three times. Um, it wasn't much of a problem though. Like, my Brion just used Icy Wind and pretty much one-hit them. Except for that pseudo-woodoo. That one, it just used a water-type attack. That makes sense. Yeah, that was pretty... But, um, the actual fight with Lorantis was pretty rough. I got taken down by a lot of Solar Beams. Um, I wound up just switching around Pokemon a lot. That one I managed to get through without wiping, but it required a couple revives and some luck. Yeah. After that, you head down to um, the Ultra Research Laboratory or the the Wormhole Research Laboratory um, and meet uh, Burnett, uh, Kukui's wife, um, and they continue to be adorable and love each other, and it's great. Um, then you have the whole Ultra Beast sequence with that. Pretty much the same indistinguishable from the previous game except for how doesn't see it this time if i remember correctly like in the last game i want to say how reacts to it in some way like oh did i just miss it but like there's no like recognition that you your character even like lets him know about it or anything like that this time around so that's that's different 
Um, oh yeah, the weird distortion. Yeah, that's what you're talking. About. Yeah. Um. Then you go through Diglett Cave, and Brandon has um, a terrible time. I just wanted a larvitar. Um, you get out of Diglett Cave, and then if you're like me, you immediately explore everything because I—that's what I do. Whenever I play these games, I'm exploring like every inch around me, except for apparently on Hea Hea Beach where I missed the the bottle. Um. And now uh, you go in the police station, and you talk to the cop, and he tells you that. See, his- that's that's where our playthrough is different. I avoid the police stations because every police officer always has is they're always causing trouble. They're like, always using growls, but I was actually training up my larvitar, trying to get him up to a pupitar stage. So I mean, like I'm I want to dunk on some growlis with like uh we've used dunk I've used dunk on way too many times in this episode. I'm sorry for those of you who think that that sounds stupid. For those of you who thinks it's hilarious and great. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, rock slide. I want to be, you know, busting up some, some growls with some rock slides. So uh, I go in there. Cop's like, yeah, my partner's been acting weird lately. You go talk to the partner. Um, it's a ditto. Uh, you battle the ditto. Talk to the guy. He tells you that it is one of the five, like, ditto banditos who are going about pod people around. Yeah. Bandito. I like that. Who are going around and like pod peopling um Coney Cody City. Um uh the yeah. next the next ditto you find is the herbalist. Herbalist, quote unquote. The guy who sells the the hiker who sells herbs. Pretty yeah, cool anyway, guy. Yeah, sure. Anyways, so I caught that ditto because you're allowed to catch these dittos that are pod peopling away people. I named him Kush for um Wonder if that's PG. I don't know. We'll leave that. We'll leave that and see how how iTunes responds to that. There's Kush, the ditto, because it's it's the it's the herb salesman. It was a big, good ditto. Big air quotes. Yeah, I'm keeping that ditto forever. Um, he's jolly nature. That's good for breeding later. Um, After I found out about this, I decided that maybe it was worth my time to go into the police station, and I started doing this mini quest too. And the next one after the herb salesman uh, was the chef. And what I'm wondering is, like, there were people ordering and eating food. So was the ditto actually cooking in the meantime? Or was he just, like, in there for just the moment that I happened to be in there? Because I can't imagine. If I remember correctly, if you... Oh, yawn. If you tell... When you go back to the cop and you talk to him... Um, he tells you, like, I knew the food tasted funny there lately, or something like that. And so, I think that that's... I think it's implied that the ditto, yes, was actually working in the restaurant. Probably just, like, overcooking everything. You gotta be careful. Can't replicate experience. Nope, you cannot. Just good instinct. Um. Past uh, that, we had the masseuse lady, right? Yep. The, the Pokemon massage lady. Who was a ditto. And then after that, the last ditto bandito was Olivia. I like how both of our minds went to the same spot when we saw Olivia standing away from you. And like it zoomed in in the cutscene. And then she was like about to turn around. And we're like, is oh, she going to have the ditto face? That would have been great. That would have been phenomenal. It would have been terrifying. But like, they didn't do it. And I feel like that's like a giant missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that just feels like a weird missed opportunity. Um, then you, I guess you can move on to uh, the ruins of life. I think they're called, um, where you run into uh, Faba Bean Man um, getting attacked. No, not even getting attacked. Trying to stop two team skull guys. Uh, he's he's more adjacent. He's just got a case of the vapors. I'm like, oh, these ruffians. Yeah, he's he's definitely getting a touch of the vapors. Like, I will bestow upon you the honor of Faba if you can assist me in this matter. Branch Chief Fava, aren't you like the strongest trainer in the entire Aether Foundation? Yeah, but I don't want to lift a finger to stop these two team skull guys from literally picking up and carrying this wild slowpoke away. Which is the best way I have ever seen Pokemon theft of what I presume is a wild Pokemon where they wanted to, quote, steal and sell the Slowbro and they was going to make them rich. For the sake of the podcast and just for assuming that like these two guys had a difficult lifting the slowpoke, I'm going to very quickly check the weight of slowpoke and see how heavy it is. Because it would have been hilarious if they had to carry it tandem or like firemen carry it. Uh, it's three foot eleven. That's helpful. Whoop, 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 whoop. Um, Ooh. it's 80 pounds. Yeah. It's 79.4 pounds. It's not even a full 80 pounds. So if you're lifting more than 50 pounds, you should really get a friend to help. You're not wrong, but I mean, like they were really struggling to like drag the slow poke. So like, I think both of them aren't very strong. I like this. This actually adds something to it for me. Just the fact that slow poke really isn't that heavy. Like had it been a slow bro. It had been something in the neighborhood of like uh, 180 pounds. Mega slow, bro. 265 pounds. So like, come on, come on, Team Skull. Like, work out or something. Get build up some of that upper body strength. This devolved a little bit. I don't know. It's definitely not past midnight at night when we're recording this. Don't worry. I'm. This clock says. That it is. It's Pokemon time. Ba-doop, ba-doop, ba-doop. Yeah, Pokemon. So, so anyways, I'm um, just manhandling this slow bro, and you stop him. Stop him! You say, "Hey, don't manhandle that slow bro." You knock him on. You knock him on the noggins, and they run away. Father invite like bestows upon you his honor. Is like you can come visit the Aether Foundation after this, and that's that's pretty dope. Um, and so you leave, you get about like, I don't know, 10, 20 feet, and then you get stopped by um, the my punk rock wife, Plumeria, who uh, is like, hey, yo, you're messing with my little bros and sisses, I'm going to have to kick your butt. And then uh, she doesn't because she has a Salandit, and it's got like three defense stats, and so you just, like a wind pushes it over. But at least she tries, and that's the important thing. I do like, though, when you beat her, she says fooey. Does she say fooey? Did I yeah. not notice that? No, she says fooey. Oh, that's P-H-O-O-E-Y, so good. Oh, man. I love how she's just saying, like, yeah, the grunts are dumb, but people can be cute in their dumbness. And it's like, big cis plumeria. That's like her her whole thing. She's just big cis plumeria. I love it. It's mm-hmm. great. Plumes is the best. 
Right after that, we have uh, Olivia's actual trial fight. Not that hard, really, honestly. Compared compared to the uh, totem Pokemon you fought in this, this was like a breeze for me. Especially because I bought Bulldoze in the previous, um, the pre in the in Coney Coney City. See, I uh, I mixed up my team a little bit. This was still before I had a Larvitar. Um, but my team consisted of a Gyarados, a Araquanid. Water doesn't resist. Water does not resist rock type attacks, folks. No, I had three Pokemon. I forget what the other one was. I think it might have still been a Wingle. I, I had things that were weak to rock. It did not go over well. And the things that weren't weak to rock just died to the Z move. Uh. I think what's really noticeable about her trial um, here is so in the in the original Sun and Moon, she sold fossils. Like they sold fossils at her shop. And in this game, they do the same thing. In the first one, she had a nose pass as her second Pokemon. In this game, she has both a Armaldo, or is it Armaldo? No, it's Anorith. Sorry. Um, that she has an Anorith and a Cradilly. Lilip. Wow, I just went for the evolved forms on both of those. Those are the more memorable. I mean, they're the ones that you actually like use competitively. But no, she had a Lilip and an Anorith, um, as well as um, her Dusk form Lycanroc, um, which was neat and. Also added, like, I would argue a decent amount of difficulty because of their, like, typing combinations. Yeah, I mean, I still lost with a team of three water types. Yeah, and I, I'm using, at that point, I still had Dartrix and Ivysaur. So, like, I had two grass types. And, like, normally I'd be able to just use grass types to really, really uh, punish uh, some rock types. But because of those two having those unique typings, like... It made it a lot more difficult. This has actually been the only Pokemon game where I've consistently lost fights. Either just being underleveled or just they actually did seem to up the difficulty a little bit this time around. And I do appreciate that. I will agree. It felt like... Like even House fights. Like How has extra Pokemon. How seems more competent AI-wise um, in battling. I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm trying to be The nice. first fight, he used Tail Whip like... Exclusively, maybe maybe they made him learn a little bit, but he just caught his first Pichu. He was he's working on it, Brandon. There's no excuse. Yeah, okay. I was trying. I was trying to be nice. It's hard to defend how. It's impossible to defend how. How is incorrigible? Oh, that little rascal. That rascalian. Um, I do also like that Olivia has a big dialogue change in this, and I think this adds like a little level of um foreshadowing which i mean like we all know because we've played sun and moon but she's like it's weird that nebby keeps seeking out all these like all the tapus because the tapus are like trickster gods who are kind of malicious and really strong like only a really strong pokemon would seek out the tapus and then she looks at nebby and she's like nah it's got to be wrong something's weird you're too fluffy to be you're too much of a little cloud of space dust and so I don't know. It's just very... Hmm. I like that. It was cool. Uh, past this point, before heading out to the Aether Foundation, I just kind of ran around the island collecting what I didn't collect. I got a uh, dome fossil, turned that into a Kabuto. Um, kind of tried rounding out my team a little more. I caught a Wimpod. Glycepod's really good. Same. Uh, I was... I've... Of course, Guzmo. 
has a glycopod, and so like you fight that, and that's really strong, um, and it gives you trouble somewhat. And some people it gives trouble. Um, and I was like, you know, I'll try to wimp out this game around too. Yeah, Glycopod hits like a like a truck and a half. Like almost like two trucks. Almost like two trucks. Yeah. It's a really good apt description here. Yeah, he hits like two whole trucks. Um two yeah. trucks. By the time we were ready to leave the island, I had uh, Kabuto, Marini, Larvitar, Gyarados. And Toxpex, and I also at this point still had a star, a star me at this point that I caught off the um, the resort where Faba is, but I wound up taking it off the team not too long later just because I don't know. I felt like I had an abundance of water Pokemon already. Did you? Did you feel like you had too many water Pokemon at that point? A party of like five. I tried keeping it down to four. Five seemed like a little much. It was a bit much. Um, my leaving this like I I abandoned my my Rockruff and my Dartrix by this time. Um, so I picked up the uh I had my Ivysaur, which was still an Ivysaur at this point. Um, my EV that I picked up on this route, uh, which evolved into an Umbreon. Um, which I mean, like if if it's possible for me to get an Umbreon in the Pokemon game, I will get an Umbreon because it's my favorite Pokemon. Um. And then you've got the Glycopod, um, Muck. Alolan Grimer. Spoiler alert, Brandon spoiled it for you. On Island 3, he evolves into a Muck. Gosh dang it, Brandon, they wouldn't have ever gotten that. Nah, sorry. Um, oh, and my Larvitar, which had evolved into a Pupitar at this point, too. So I had a Pupitar and a Glycopod when leaving. Um, I still haven't covered up that fifth slot even on island three hopefully i'll find something moving forward to cover it up but honestly i don't feel like i need it even that much those five pokemon are awesome yeah this sixth slot on my team right now is just waiting for something to come along to fill it um but yeah you uh you stop people from harassing um pikachu and ma champ at the grand hannah resort and you get prizes for it Oh yeah, because they're celebrities. Yep, and then there's I the, thought it was pretty cool. There's the Pikachu wedding that happens too when you first I get there. I didn't catch that. Really? I think I walked around it. Oh, you talk to little kids to start it. Yeah, there's a little kid who you talk to to start it. I thought it was just automated, but no, it's not. I just talk to everybody, um, and it's like, hey, do you want to witness this Pikachu wedding? And then it's a legit Pikachu wedding, and you watch two Pikachu get married. Was it beautiful? I cried. Every time. <laughs> uh, then you get on the boat with Faba and Hao, and Lily clearly uh, avoids the Aether Foundation. So like actually, before this, plague. I want to talk. Um, oh. When you're talking to Faba to initiate the like the event of leaving the island, he can add, you can like he'll say like Are you ready? And if you say no, he like starts insulting all children and gives you this like evil glare. And he's like, oh, I meant to say children sure do love, like, adventure and come back when you're ready. And it's just this really obvious, like, this guy's bad news. Gosh, did anybody ever know that Faba hates kids? Well, kids hate Faba beans. I've never had a Faba bean in my entire life. Ah, I mean, that's, that might actually be part of the naming convention, I don't know. I mean... You showed me a picture of a fava bean. It's the exact same shape as glasses. 
he's kind of a string bean. He's a bean boy. He's a bean boy. So I feel like that's how this works. I feel like he's just a bean boy. Mm-hmm. Bean boy Faba. Faba the bean boy. Bean boy Faba. Oh, God, you're going to leave this into the podcast, aren't you? Yes, I am. <laughs> um, so Aether Foundation, not much has actually changed moving forward into the Aether Foundation. Um Really, at all, except for when you finally fight Nihiligo, when it, uh, UB01. Um, I don't actually even remember its old UB code name. Spooky. Spooky Jellyfish. UB01 Spooky Jellyfish, a.k.a. Nihiligo. Um, it's cheating to look it up, Brandon. I've only looked up 30 things during this podcast. Um, but yeah... Well, now we're going to have to pause and like... Well, you're the one addressing it. I know. Uh, symbiont. Symbiont. Oh, yeah. Symbiont. All right. So UBO1 Symbiont, a.k.a. Nihiligo. Um, jellyfish of Doom. Uh, when you fight and beat that and you send it back from once it came, uh, Lusamine gets real excited. She's like, yeah, something must have went wrong in our... Uh, trials to like open up an ultra wormhole and it's kind of like something went wrong do you mean you succeeded because like there's an ultra wormhole here and there's an ultra beast coming out of it and it's attacking me your jellyfish attacked me on your property i feel like i could sue right i could sue right i, could sue uh, I think it's international waters oh that's actually probably true do corsola count as a landmass no what about Pacifolog Town? Does that mean you can just murder somebody in Pacifolog Town and get away with it? I'm not a lawyer, but yes. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Genius. All right. Well, Pacifolog Town, Aether Foundation, places to get away with murder in the Pokemon universe. Yeah. Um, but then uh, the Ultra Unicorn Squad. two favorite guys show up. Travis's two favorite guys show up. I am still completely neutral on them. Like, I don't dislike them. I think that they add something to the game. I'm pretty sure it'll definitely... I mean, we know they add a lot to the game later mm-hmm. on. So right now, I'm kind of neutral to them. I'm assuming I'll like them later on. So after you return Space Lily from whence it came, um, they walk over to kind of explain what Ultra Beasts are and what Ultra Wormholes are. And they imply that they are partnering with or... Um, like Seeking the aid of... The Aether Foundation. Yeah. Which we know from the first game that the Aether Foundation used King Skull to help facilitate like their growth in the Alola region, their resources, and all that stuff. Yeah. But this time it almost feels like the Ultra Recon Squad will are kind of using... Um, the Aether Foundation in the same way. Yeah. And the dynamic between the two organizations is something I do want to see flushed out and i'm kind of Hopefully. excited for moving forward yeah um and i'd even like to see some interactions between team um, skull and the uh recon squad yeah i just want to see guzma like jack mustache man oh no i'd like to see that too yeah just like i feel like just seeing i i would actually just straight up like to see guzma just punch somebody in this game just like physically punch somebody i'd just, actually like to see like plumeria punch guzma Plunge. I'd like to see Plumeria actually have a conversation with Guzma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be nice. Please, Pokemon, let me let me see 
Uh, like the only person Guzma ever interacts with is the main character in Kukui. And Gladian. And, and a little bit of Gladian and like Lusamine. I cannot wait for the game moving forward because the further the game moves on, the more it seems like the changes are being more significant. And that's what I actually care about really is the, the big changes in this. Yeah, it's interesting to see how the like the the standard story structure from the last game kind of flexes and bends around the new changes, and it's definitely shaping up to be at least mildly interesting, if not more so. I would say this game is going to at least hit as good as Sun and Moon, if not better. I'm gonna go ahead and still lean towards it being better than Sun and Moon. I mean, I didn't have a chance to talk about this last episode since I wasn't there. Yeah, but it definitely feels better to play through at least because of all the, the pacing. The pacing is broken up now a little bit more. There's not as many cutscenes and like railroading. Every single person who I've talked to, like that has played Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, I immediately bring up like, so how do you feel about the pacing? How do you feel about the pacing in the beginning? And one of our friends has had their D- has a weird thing with their 3DS. Whenever they close the screen, like one in every three ish times that they close their screen, it ejects their uh, their memory card, and so they've had to replay through it. Evan, it's Evan for your sake, Brandon, because so, yeah. you're looking at me like what? They ejects their mem- their SD card and. Um, their SD card or their game card? Their SD card, which for whatever reason, like it's like your SD has been ex- has been ejected, restart your system, you don't keep your save file. And he said like at this point, if the game was not as well paced as it was, he probably would have put it back down if it was paced the same way as Sun and Moon. But because it's paced so well, like he keeps going and he still wants to keep playing the game. And that's like super impressive compared to how the other game started. Um I think that's probably their biggest success with this game is just pacing out the beginning better. Yeah, and so after you wind up dealing with um, uh, Nihiligo and talking to Lusamine and the Ultra Recon Squad, you kind of get shoot off the island or the base. Really hurriedly, which I mean we know why the last time because they had some important evil science to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wick gives you some nice parting gifts. She gives uh, How a plate of malasadas. Which he shares with you. He he does not share. He shares one with you. No, he offers to, and then like it shows him just chow down on it. He's like, whoops, I ate it all. That happens on the ferry. He literally eats it all in front of you. He's a monster. Really? Yeah. But, um... Oh, boy, I... In then case I've been playing this game a lot, really late at night while I'm get like after work, so I've missed some of these like things, which makes me a little sad. But yeah, yeah. it's awesome. So then she offers you the equivalent prize of probably I don't know, maybe five, uh, three hundred and fifty pokey dollar big malasadas and one of the best teams in the game, uh, Team Twenty Nine Psychic. Yeah, which, um, giving you psychic. For me, I can't even use it on any of my po- I could use it on Umbreon, but I'm not going to because my Umbreon has a negative special attack nature. Um, so, how has an Alolan Raichu at this point? She could literally be giving How a really good TM. Though I think Psychic is a, uh, an evolution move for Alolan Raichu as I think about it, so it really wouldn't matter that much. Hmm. Either way, I still feel like we walked away better. Oh, we definitely did. Psychic is super good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that gets us to the end of that. You arrive on the shore of uh, Mali City on Ulula Island, and from there we'll 
pick up in the next podcast. Any final final thoughts from you on this one, Lurgo? I don't really think so. No, I think we've definitely filled up a podcast worth of information here. We definitely went way longer than me and Travis did. So, I think that about wraps us up for tonight's episode. Uh, you can find us again at Lake of Rage Radio at Gmail or on Twitter. If you have any questions or things you'd like to hear us talk about, you can send that to our email. Or uh, tweet at us. That is also an option. Um, we're also, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, now on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, you can just search us up using Lake of Rage Radio. Um, I think you can probably use the keyword Pokemon to find us too as like the tags that we're under. Um, and of course, you can listen to this on YouTube and SoundCloud. Um, starting with the last episode um, entitled Gimme the Beach Boys, um, we're going to start doing just kind of ridiculous uh, cover images. Cover images for the for the YouTube videos just to make it a little bit more interesting. I'm really proud of the last one. I just want everybody to know that that was uh, 100% me, and I want everybody to know that, that that's part of my zeitgeist. That I, I put that into the zeitgeist out there, and I that really... That will be my cultural legacy. That is my cultural legacy. Like, this podcast, no. This podcast has no legacy for me whatsoever. Any of the... It's all about the art. Yeah. It's, it's literally 100% that image of the Beach Boys with their face covered up by Team Skullgrunt faces. Like, that's... That's it. All right. Good night, everybody. Catch you on the flip side.